Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome to Talk Money here on AM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice. I'm Keith Quinn, in for Jim Shoemaker, and we have got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about a couple of different things that you need to think about as you're thinking about planning your financial life. And one of them is, what is your biggest asset? We're going to tell you what that is, and we're also going to tell you how you can insure it. We've got Jamie Cochran, who's a financial advisor with Shoemaker Financial. is going to be coming up after the break, and he will talk to us a little bit about that. And then we've got Jason Harrington, who's a managing director at Shoemaker Financial. And Jason's going to tell us some reasons you should contact your advisor and how you can evaluate the kind of job your advisor's doing. These are going to be some great tips, some things I think you can really use when you're working on your financial future. So I'd encourage you to stick around, and we will get into all of that right after the break. Now, we want to take a minute, we're just thinking about what's happened this week, and we look at the Federal Reserve, and that's been in the news a lot, and the Fed's finally announced that they are going to start unwinding their balance sheet, and of course, over the last nine years, the Fed's built up a $4.5 trillion balance sheet, something we haven't really seen in the past, and we have come an awful long way. We think back to September in 2008 and everything that was going on then. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had been taken over by the government. We had the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history with Lehman Brothers going down. President Bush had just signed into law the TARP program for $700 billion, and the government had bailed out the country's largest insurance company, AIG. We were in a definitely in a weak financial situation, but we have come so far since then. In fact, through last Friday, the S&P 500 has gained 268%. Although it hasn't been straight up and it hasn't always been a smooth ride, we certainly have come a long way. Well, the Fed announced, as I said this week, that they are going to start uh, not reinvesting some of the proceeds from the $4.5 trillion balance sheet that they have now. And that's going to begin in October. They're going to do it in a measured fashion, $10 billion a month, uh, $10 billion a month, increasing that by $10 billion every quarter until they get up to $50 billion. This is what the market was looking for. We wanted some certainty about what the Fed's going to do. And we also saw a little bit more about what they are going to do with interest rates. They are still calling for one more interest rate hike this year. If that happens, that would be in December. But I I would say that that's still data dependent, and we've got a lot of numbers that will come out between now and then. And the Fed, of course, is looking at a couple of things in particular. They're looking at employment, and the employment rate is at a a 16-year low at 4.4%. They're also looking for inflation. Inflation's the one area where we haven't seen uh, probably as much inflation as we'd like to see in certain areas, like we would like to see a little more wage growth. We really haven't seen a lot of that in the economy, so the Fed is certainly going to be looking at that as well. But if they do raise, they'll raise one more time in December, and then they are potentially going to raise uh, three more times in 2018, two more times in 2019. These are the kind of things that will have an impact on investing. It's certainly something that you need to consider as an investor. It has a big impact on your potential of uh, uh, your bond portfolio. And certainly as rates have been lower, it's been awfully good for stocks. And then we come back to the 268% since, Mar- 
March 9th of 2009. Well, guys, I just want to welcome you both to the program. Again, Jason Harrington, Managing Director at Shoemaker, and Jamie Cochran, a Financial Advisor at Shoemaker. Good morning, guys, and welcome. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So if we've been following the news this week outside of the Fed, we've got a little bit of a Twitter war going on. Have you guys paid any attention to that? (laughs) <laughs> while, while I'm not a big tweeter, um, yeah, I, I do have ears and have been able to uh, hear the news, whether on television or radio or on the computer. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, saw, uh, we saw Kim's reply to uh, Trump last night. I wanted to know what the... Was that a Korean translation of that word? Uh, what what was what is he called? I, I will have to admit, I had to break out the dictionary okay. on that one. <laughs> and it was, uh, of course, you know, President Trump in his speech to the UN had, had called him, and he called them this uh, in another context as well, but called Kim the Rocket Man, the Rocket Man, I saw right? That, and then yeah. Kim had tweeted this morning, "I will surely and definitely tame the mentally deranged U.S. dotard, dotard with right. fire, dotard." I didn't know. What I didn't know if that was, was an uh, an English word, or I thought uh, maybe know. they misspelled it. Yeah, you know, who, who knew? But yeah, that's actually a word, and the definition is, and I'll tell you this. So you can say you did learn something today on Talk Money. Uh, And a dotard is an old person, especially one who has become weak or senile. So we've got this war awards going back, and we We laugh at that, and it is kind of funny. uh, But these are serious times, and it really is destabilizing for that region to have a a world power with nuclear weapons and the potential to put one on an intercontinental ballistic missile. Uh, It's something that we just haven't seen before. And again, it gives us some pause, uh, but we have to hope that cooler heads will prevail. Yeah. You've seen this banter between world leaders back and forth before, but something about this seems a little eerie. I mean, it seems like, you know, Kim seems just kind of loose cannon enough he, he, I think, he def- absolutely. He's uh, he's unpredictable to I, say the least, and and you know we don't like that. But as far as investing goes, the market has held up pretty well. We haven't seen any any major corrections, even with North Korea, you know, recently testing a hydrogen bomb, uh, mm. firing two missiles over Japan. It's kind of been a little bit of an escalation. Uh, so we certainly hope that again, cooler heads will prevail, and and that we can move on past this and and focus on the the exciting stuff about the future. With the market not responding to that, Keith, do you think it's just the consumer just thinks this is uh, just noise. I mean, what well, I, I think so, and I think you know. Again, this is not unusual as far as the rhetoric. You know, even looking back for, for uh, of course, during President Obama's two terms, back with President Bush, uh, this has been going on for a long time. So it's not like this is anything new. And I think when it comes to investing, you know, a lot of people really still like the stock market. We've had a really good year. Uh, you know, we haven't had even a five percent pullback this year, and that's incredibly unusual that we would go this far into the year without at least a pullback of five percent. We haven't seen a correction, which we call a pullback of 10% since uh, the first uh, four weeks, six weeks of 2016, the worst first six weeks ever in the market. Uh, So we just haven't seen the normal level of volatility that we would see. Part of that's because interest rates are low, but I think part of it is that, again, there's some really good things going on in the market as far as we look at growth, and especially when we look at earnings. This uh, double-digit earnings growth has been a real tailwind for stocks. And then you think if you're going to put tax reform behind that, that would be another tailwind, and that could be really good. And we'll see if uh, Congress can get their act together and get it done. You think if there is conflict that 
that speeds up some of these decision-making processes to try to keep the market stabilized? I, I think so. And I think, yeah, that would be, that's kind of a game changer. And, but we would look at that more as a, you know, a kind of a black swan event, something that you can't really anticipate and you certainly can't plan for. Yeah. And we would never base investment policy around that. But if something were to happen, uh, it would be a problem. And as you know, we were talking about it earlier, it's, there's no easy military solution to North Korea. Uh, and so I don't want anyone to think that that would be something that we could just go in and wipe them out because we couldn't. Uh, and Seoul, as we said is is uh, in range of north korean artillery and that would be a huge deal and there's a lot of people at risk so very scary for them on the korean peninsula and keith you said we we don't base our strategy upon black swan events absolutely so, so that goes back to always you know build your portfolio and invest with a plan versus an emotion Absolutely. And that's that's the thing. If you have a long term plan, and we'll always say that. And I think that's one of the things that certainly we do at the firm and we're always looking at. We're trying to think about what you're trying to accomplish with your investments, not necessarily, you know, what rate of return are you shooting for? Because, you know, that's beyond your control. You get what the market gives you. But what is your goal for that? And then once you know your goal and once you know how long you have to achieve that goal, then you build a portfolio around that. And as we always say, if your goals haven't changed, if your time horizon hasn't changed, uh, then your portfolio probably shouldn't shouldn't change either and we just don't get caught up in the noise because a lot of times most of the time uh, it is noise points back to your first point on the show i mean since that crisis in 2006 we're what up what was your number 200 and yeah 260 something percent 268 percent so always kind of long-term bullish Absolutely. Well, if you're just joining us, I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker here on Talk Money. We are going to come back after the break with Jamie Cochran and talk a little bit about what is your biggest asset and how can you ensure that. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, which is providing estate planning, elder law, and probate planning for all generations. Stick around and we will be right back. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Keith Quinn, Jamie Cochran, and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securing Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated and is not affiliated with any of the companies mentioned on the show. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. I'm here with Jamie Cockard and Jason Harrington. Guys, we said before the break we were going to tell the folks listening what, you know, talk about what their biggest asset is. I know sometimes we think about that and we think maybe it's our 401k plan or then you think, you know, probably your house or your property. So, Jamie, tell us what, what truly is our biggest asset. It's your ability to earn an income, to get up every single day, go to work and do what you were trained to do. 
That's a great point. And when you think about the, how much that means and what that adds up to over a lifetime, that's a huge deal. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, I wish it was my 401k. That, <laughs> I probably wouldn't be here this right. morning. But no, I mean, I've got a long I got a, a long road ahead of continuing right. to work for, you know, hopefully another you know, 20 years or so. And, and in that time, hopefully I'm going to be bringing in a lot of money. Absolutely. Now tell us, though, what is the what is the risk to that? What is the risk to your biggest asset? A risk is that something happens to me, whether it be an illness or an injury, and I can't get up and go to work every single day. Something that prevents you from going to work. And a lot of us, of course, we don't like to think about that. The same reason we don't like to think about life insurance. You know, we don't want to think about these bad things happening, but it's just prudent. And that's why we do financial planning to plan for it. Yeah, it sure is. I mean, just one of those, these stats I think is pretty fascinating. According to Sun Life, 50% of all mortgage foreclosures in the country are caused by a long-term disability. 50%. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's, you know, you get your house foreclosed on. Right. It's not because people are lazy. It's not because they just don't want to go to work. It's because physically they can't because they're ill. Because they yeah. just can't go to work. Yeah. yeah I think the, you see that stat and then it does, you know, force the question, well, this, <clears throat> you know, this won't happen to me. You know, I mean, I think that's the hardest thing when you're talking to somebody about becoming disabled. That always happens to someone else. I mean, what, what are you what are you seeing in, out there in the world that? Well, I got a little statistically- number. I got a little number for you, Jason. So it won't happen to you. From a, a Senate Financial Committee study, seven out of ten people between the ages 35 and 65 will become disabled for three months or longer. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten percent. So, but, so between age thirty, before you're age sixty-five, there's basically a seventy percent chance that you won't be able to go to work for ninety days or longer. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be, you know, laid up in the bed for the rest right. of your life. It might just be something that keeps you out of work for a year. Uh, you know, back injury, going through cancer treatment, something like that. But just imagine if you can't go to work for a year and you're bebopping along, you're paying your mortgage, you got your, you know, taking care of your kids. Um, trying to plan on vacation, trying to plan for your savings, and right. then all of a sudden that paycheck disappears, well, then we're in trouble. So we want to make sure that we can protect that. Well, now, one way, and I know you guys, again, as financial planners, as financial advisors, when you're talking to clients, how much money do you recommend that they set aside? That How much cash should they have on hand to cover a situation like that? Well, one of the you know base parts of financial planning is just making sure we have that emergency reserve. Right. College of Financial Planning suggests that we recommend to have three to six months of your income. Single income household, we usually recommend six months of expenses, and uh, uh, for a, a dual income household, a minimum of three months. So that's just our baseline. And then I tell my clients. Do what, what you're comfortable with. Right, but even that. So if someone does take the time and does do a plan and they do set aside the six months, but you just said if they're out of work for a year, that doesn't get them there. Exactly. So that's why I always recommend above and beyond your self-insurance, which is that emergency reserve, we recommend having a portfolio of some long-term disability insurance. Long-term disability insurance. Now explain to our listeners what that is, Jamie. Okay, long-term disability insurance is insurance that will replace your income if you can't go to work. And you can choose... When it kicks in, you can choose that it kicks in after 90 days of not being able to work or even six months up to even a year. Gotcha. You said something earlier about when you hear the word disability. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think your brain, Keith, you know, naturally goes to thinking about something really bad. You said laid up in a bed or in a hospital. Talk a little bit about what does that mean? I mean, if it's not that, 
or necessarily that, then what is it? What does it mean to be disabled and not able to? Well, well Jason, I mean, just take you, for instance, uh, what was that, back in 2011, 2012? Yeah. Uh, you, you had a injury at your, at your uh, a child's birthday party. Right. You, you know, playing playing <laughs> yeah, with kids and, and you fell. Yeah. I mean, we're not Being laughing. A child. But, but, yeah. you did, but you did have a, have a major neck injury, yeah, and right. that was really, That's really right. scary. Yeah, sure. And there was a year where you were in and out of surgeries. Yeah. And um, you were able to make it in sometimes, but for the most part, I mean, you I was kind of out of it. Yeah, right. you were kind of out of it. So, um, you know, it, it could be something simple, like uh, well, it could be something not simple, but something as common as you know, cancer, heart attack, you know, things that just keep people out for for a, a broken, period of a six a broken months to a year. femur or something. We had somebody in that we know that broke their my wife and I know that broke their femur. <clears throat> They're out. They can't walk. Can't put. Can't go to work, can't put weight on their leg for like, you know, eight months. Yeah. So they're out of work, you know, trying to recover. Exactly. So what's key is after that 90 days to be able to have that disability insurance kick in. So that way you can keep on paying your bills. You can pay your mortgage. You can maintain your lifestyle. It's not about trying to improve your life. It's just about saying, hey, I just want to keep, you know, keep my life the way it was. Right. So you've got the 90 days hopefully set aside in an emergency fund. So that would cover you until the disability insurance would kick in and then the disability insurance would kick in and take up the slack. Correct. Yeah. Most people, I think, have it through through their work, right? And I think most companies are, are good about, you know, providing that for their, for well, their employees. Well, sometimes. That's why it's critical whenever I'm working with a client always say, hey, we need to understand what benefits package do you have. Right. Because most everybody knows exactly about their 401k. Most people know about their medical insurance. Rarely do I hear somebody say, oh, I know exactly what type of long-term disability coverage I have. (laughs) Sometimes you might have some group coverage, which means the company provides it for you. Oftentimes, you may not have any coverage whatsoever. And I think people may get confused sometimes. What we're here for is to help interpret um, for my clients, what type of coverage do you have with through your employer, if any? And if they do have it, what are what are some, I think the listeners would be helpful, you know, I've seen in our office that some of our clients don't understand what it means when they read their group disability, you know, information. Exactly. So well, tell, it tell, can be complicated. It can be complicated. Yeah, it's no? very, very complicated. And you can have a huge contract and it can be in any occupation or an own occupation. We'll come back to that in just a minute. But okay. first off, the most important thing is that usually when you have group coverage, the employer may provide what we see standard, 60% of your income. 60% of your income. Okay. Which, okay, fantastic. Yeah. I can't work. I could probably survive on 60%. However, right. usually that becomes taxable to you. So not 60% net, that's 60% or not your 60% gross and then exactly. you're taxed on that. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So let's just say, for 40%. example, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. you may exactly. end up netting maybe 35, 40% of your income. Mm, that's where it gets kind of scary. Gets tight. Yeah. So for most of my clients, myself included, when you do have group insurance, I usually recommend get a supplemental policy to put on top of your group coverage because we want to protect as much as we possibly can. So you talked to us about that and, and the importance of having a group of uh, group policy, having a policy to supplement that. So what did that mean when you talk about different occupations? Because I know that's a, a critically important definition and different types of policies that, again, people probably just don't really think about what their policy truly covers. Exactly. So the, uh, to be disabled, a contract will usually say this will pay if you can't do your occupation or your own occupation, meaning if you can't do what you're trained to do. What we don't want to see is a disability contract that says this will pay if you can't do any occupation. So keyword is any. Any. All right. A lot of my clients, they've gone to school. They are trained specifically to do you know, what they're, they're doing. Right. So if something happens to them physically or mentally where they can't do what they are specifically trained for, we want to make sure that they're going to be able to get paid. 
So if something happened to me and I had an, an any occupation clause uh, and couldn't come into work, but if I could go dig ditches, and I've dug ditches before and I don't want to go back to it, but then the insurance policy wouldn't pay? Correct. Hmm. Yeah, that is not a good definition. No, not at all. Yeah. How do you, I mean, if you add the supplemental to that, does that, can you specifically choose I'd like an any occupation versus an own occupation? Yes, can you, can, you can specifically choose what type you have. That's why I always tell my clients, I don't just say, hey, tell me what you think you have. No, I want to see what the contract says. I want to read through it because I actually had a client come to me the other day. Um, he had a small policy he got several years ago, making a lot more money now. He said, hey, Jamie, I met my new employer. They got me some group coverage. It's fantastic. You know, I said, great. You know, right. It's going to be inexpensive. You don't have to pay for it. It's going to cover a lot of your income. I said, but shoot it on over. Let me read it. He emailed it over to me, read through the contract. It said, after two years, it becomes an any occupation definition. Wow. I told him that, and he said, whoa, 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 no, 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 I don't want that. I right. want to get my own because right. he wants to protect his his income and you know make sure he's able to take care of his family if he can't do what he's trained to do. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Jamie, what would be uh, some of the other drawbacks with having a, a group contract through your employer? Um, portability. So if you're working at a, a employer and you've got maybe, say, 60% of your income covered, right. yeah, hey, fantastic, that's a great, great benefit. Yeah. But let's say you go get hired somewhere else and they're paying you more money. Or you go out to start your own uh, business. Okay, right. Fantastic. All about that. However, you can't take that group contract with you. And if that new employer does not offer you group disability insurance, well, hey, then we're going to have to go find some. It's not like your 401k that it's you not, can take with you and roll into another plan. No, exactly not. So that's why I always want to make sure, too, You know, if you do have a supplemental policy on top of your group, a lot of times I will put what's called a rider on the policy, meaning a little extra benefit that you pay for, right. that if you were to leave somewhere with group coverage, let's say you start your own business, well, you've got that small supplemental policy. Well, the future purchase option means you can increase your coverage at a later date and not have to answer health questions. That's a great, oh, great that's feature. Oh, that's got to be a yeah. good feature. Yeah, I mean. so, so you know, when people are young, when they're healthy... Before they start, you know, Absolutely. before, before uh, you know, their joints start getting creaky. Before and, they get to our age, Jason. Yeah, 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 before they jump on a trampoline and yeah, turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before major injuries, before <laughs> huge medications start coming into place, we want to make sure we can hopefully lock in some at a young age. Now, with disability insurance, do things, you know, you hear a lot about health insurance and, you know, there's questions out there about long-term care insurance where when, you know, okay, I'll, I'll pay this cost today, five years from now they're going to increase the cost on me. Um, and they're going to... You can protect gonna... against that. You can protect okay. against that by saying, I'm going to put a rider on that where as long as you are paying your premium, they're not going to be able to increase that coverage. Okay. Okay, good. And I think the you know the one thing I would take away from this, and I hope our listeners would take away, is these can be complicated, but this is incredibly important. Would you say it's... Is it fair to say that with most of the people you meet with, most of the clients you have, this is probably not on the top of their list of things to be looking at? It's not. And I'll tell you what, I, had, I went to... College, got an undergrad degree, a bachelor's of science in business. Right. I went and got an MBA. Hey, I knew a lot about finance, but I didn't know anything about long-term disability insurance until I got into this business and thought to myself, wow, that is probably one of the most important you know, keystones of any financial plan. If, if your income isn't coming in, all this fun stuff, all that unwinding the balance sheet and yeah. the, the Fed, those yeah. conversations aren't happening. The That's conversation right. is, yeah. hey, how am I going to stay dry in this rainstorm and how am I going to eat tonight? Absolutely, and that it's a huge risk to your, uh, you know, everything else you've done. If you've saved for retirement, you have to tap that and pay a penalty because you don't have insurance on your income. And if we said your income is your biggest asset, uh, this is just very, very important for people. Exactly. I tell my clients, hey, I never want to see a GoFund. I never want to see you 
having to rely on a GoFundMe, GoFundMe because you got sick. Absolutely. You know, nothing wrong Great with that. Points. I think it's fantastic. Love to see, you know, people taking care of each other. But at the end of the day, you know, my wife had cancer. Um, you know, we got through that. She's alive and well, thank God. But at the end of the day, um, I, I felt good that, you know, her income right. was replaced because we right. had just a proper portfolio of insurance. Fantastic advice. And anyone that's listening, I would encourage you, if you have some questions about this, reach out to Jamie. Uh, you can call him at our firm, 901-757-5757. He'd be happy to sit down and go over this with you. Uh, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. We're going to take a quick break and uh, go to Charles Osgood for the Osgood file. But stick around. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, talk a little bit more about some of the reasons that you need to contact your advisor, some of the ways you can evaluate the job that your advisor's doing, some great tips, some things you need to think about, uh, and we will be right back. Have a question you'd like answered on the program? Email talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. You're listening to Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990 and FM 107.9 The Voice. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker. And of course, Talk Money is brought to you every week by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan, it's about the results. Now, Jason Harrington, who is joining us in the studio, since we are speaking of planning, and that implies a relationship with the financial advisor, you know, how should people think about that? Because to me, that doesn't sound like a very enjoyable experience, you know, having to go work with a financial advisor just doesn't sound fun. Well, you know, that's, that's a misconception. It should be. I mean, you know, the, when we have meetings, I mean, it's not uncommon for me to walk around the office and hear laughter and, you know, see hugs at the end of the meeting. I mean, that's what, you know, meeting with your financial advisor, you're talking about good things. You're talking about accomplishing goals. You're talking about getting, you know, making progress, peace of mind, getting direction. And, that should be an enjoyable experience. If if you're going into your meeting and there's some adversarial elements to that, then then you're in the wrong place. And it, it should be an enjoyable time. Uh, an advisor should be someone to help you weed through some of the noise that's out there. You do a Google research today and you hit investments, you'll find 20 million different sites Absolutely. that pop up right away. And that right. can be stressful. And so we kind of fill in the gap there and sit there to help our clients discern information that's relevant and the the information that's not relevant. Everybody knows not everything on the internet is something you want to look at, but being able to tell which one is which is, is hard to do. And that's what Jamie and I do and you and uh, the people at our firm, that's what we study every day. And I think, you know, and, and our uh, profession has gotten a bad rap in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, you know, sometimes that we can be perceived as we're trying to push a product or something like that. And I just think it's exactly the opposite of that. And I know it's something that you guys are really good at, but it's about relationships. It's about relationship, 100%. I mean, you know, I was speaking to some newer advisors in our office today. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is that the importance of being able to connect. I mean, the very first piece of any good relationship, you know, is, is not about, you know, what someone knows or what, you know, product we're going to do or what, what the journey we're going to go on. It's just about 
can we connect? You know, do we have some common ground? Do we have some a friendship that we can develop here? And that has to happen in a relatively short period of time right. with an advisor. But, you know, there are things that we do to try to help our clients feel comfortable with just us, that we're normal folks. We go to soccer games and watch movies and read books and laugh and cry and get upset just like they do. So, And we're, you know, again, we're hopefully going to lock arms with them for the rest of their lives uh, Absolutely. And, and help them walk out this plan. Absolutely. And I know, I, I know one of the questions that we get asked often when, when we're talking as an advisor is trying to, to feel us out and what this relationship looks like. Jamie, I'm sure you've heard it is, you know, how often are we going to talk? You know, what, right. are, what are the things, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to call me when the market goes down and, you know, how often are we going to meet? And I, I don't think there's necessarily, and Jamie, we'll talk to your practice here in a minute, but I mean, I don't know that there's definitely a steadfast rule that says you should meet with your advisor this many times a year. I think at least once a year, an advisor should be proactively reaching out to the to the listeners out Absolutely. there. Uh, but after that, it should be whenever. I tell my clients, look, I'm available to you, you know, anytime you have a concern. You know, I do have one rule to that. I'm available anytime you want to talk except during Alabama football games, you know, and, and, and if, if, you gotta have if, some if, standards, if, if right? an Alabama football game's going on, it may take me a minute to get back in touch with you. But, right. but other than that, you know, anytime you need to talk and Jamie, as you work your Is practice, Alabama playing like Lausanne or MUS this week, I can't, we, I can't we, we play Vanderbilt this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're right, moving right, up and that's in right. The, They're going to the be a national challenge, this week. you know, but so, you know, a good advisor relationship. It's like Keith. We're friends. You don't. Right. You don't think about. Well, should I reach out to Jason? You, you just do it, right? right? I mean, if you have a question for me, you just call. And our your uh, you know our clients should feel that way. We hope they feel that way, and that makes a good relationship. And I think it's a it's a great point, and Jamie, you could speak to this, but you know it is specific to the client. So this is not a cookie cutter approach. Everyone's no. unique. Everyone's portfolio is unique. Everyone's plans unique. You know, how you interact with people, uh, you know, you try to tailor it to meet that client's goals. Yeah. And I'll often ask, well, always ask my client, you know, how would you like me to communicate with you? Right. How often do you want to talk? And what are your expectations of me? And then also here's my expectations of you as a client. And I think right. as long as you can be clear with expectations, um, it clears a lot of things up. Yeah, never just, a bad idea to be, you know, to have everybody on the same page. No, yeah, and and when we're talking about our service model, Shoemaker Financial, we have a standard, you know, service model that we execute just as a knee jerk response. I mean, we're going to do that, but that is just that kind is of a template, just that a we, template yeah. that we, you, and, and that's got to be there. But sure. Outside of that, each client, some clients want to be contacted more frequently than, than others, and. I had a client yesterday call me contemplating buying a car and just, hey, do you know anything about the Toyota Highlander? And the answer is not really. I'm not a car person, but together we can figure out if that's a, a good look at consumer reports and figure out that's a good choice for them. I think that's a great example. And ultimately, you know, you would like to think of your advisor as basically being the chief financial officer of your family, that resource that you can go that's to right. for any financial concern that you have. And one thing, too, I always tell my clients is that at the end of the day, it's their money. It's their plan. Absolutely. And you're never going to hurt my feelings by saying, no, nah, I don't like that recommendation. Right. You know, because it's all about bringing new ideas, looking at things from a different perspective, and helping them make the most informed decision. Because it's their money, they're the boss. That right. is a great point, and it's something that I, w- I hope the listeners will take. To, if they take anything away, I hope they'll take to that. If they're dealing with a financial advisor, don't look at a financial advisor's recommendation as, I have to do this or nothing. 
or, right, or, right. or I don't, or we don't work together. I mean, a lot of the planning process is a dialing in, you know, back and forth, what's palatable, what's going to feel right, what's going to get the job done. And it, it doesn't hurt our feelings to say, you know what, that just doesn't feel right to me. Okay, well, there's a there's other ways. Let's find one that feels good. You walk away with this peace of mind when you're through talking to us. Absolutely. Guys, let's take a break, uh, and we're going to come back, and let's talk about some reasons that you would reach out to. You would necessarily want to be proactive and reach out to your advisor if some of these things happen in your life. Uh, but first, let's go to our friend Rebecca, Rebecca Brazier with our Mid-South History Moment. And stick around. We will be right back. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Although not everyone fell victim to the yellow fever epidemic that ravaged Memphis in 1878, the city itself did not survive. The picture at that time could hardly be described as anything but grim, as tax revenues fell sharply and the city's ability to pay off its debt grew uncontrollably. Despite stiff opposition from the mayor, a measure to disincorporate the city passed the state Senate and House the following year. Memphis then ceased to exist as a chartered city and was made a taxing district under the authority of a council of nine members, only four of whom were popularly elected. Under the new administration, taxes were raised, the old debt was paid off, and the council began to fund badly needed improvements to the district. Yet, as the new life was beginning to return to the local economy, a shadow was cast over these improvements in the form of widespread corruption, embezzlement, and nepotism. Though such losses to the district's coffers were easily covered by strict fines on gambling, the ongoing problems in the district arrangement made it clear that such a system of local government could not last forever. In the following years, mayoral government was restored and Memphis became a prosperous city once again. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. You're listening to Talk Money. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money here on AM 990 and FM 107.9 The Voice. And if you want to listen to one of our previously recorded shows, maybe you heard something and there was a few tips you wanted to circle back and and listen to again, you can always go on to iTunes, search for Shoemaker Financial. You can listen to one of the podcasts that way or go on to our webpage, shoemakerfinancial.com. Just click on the microphone at the top right uh, and that will take you to a link of all of our pre-recorded podcasts as well. Uh, We're here in the studio with Jason Harrington and Jamie Cochran. And Jason, we were talking about that advice relationship and how important that is, what would be some of the reasons that you need to proactively reach out to your advisor when these kind of things happen in your life and to let us know what's going on? Absolutely. I can, I can give you, Keith, kind of a personal recent, recent experience here with a client. I uh, had a client who uh, had taken on a new job, uh, and it was going to be kind of a twofold life change for them. One, they were going to be changing jobs. Right. Uh, and two, they were going to be moving. And so this particular client was moving to Nashville, uh, which I don't know why they would want to do that. I mean, we know 
here. Memphis is the uh, the well, golden sure, city right? yeah. for the state of Tennessee, but they were moving to Nashville. So they had two big life events happening at one time. Absolutely, that, are, that were going to change things for them financially. One, their new jobs are going to have to. As Jamie mentioned earlier, re-look at benefits packages. They're going to have to worry about what do they do with their old 401K that was at their previous employment. Um, you know, the cost of living was going to change. I was just say, them. buying and, a house yeah, in Nashville might change their financial very, picture very as well. Very, different yeah. than, it, than it is in Memphis. So, so I get the call, and, and we schedule an appointment coming up here in the next couple of weeks to discuss how does all these changes affect, you know, my, uh, my long-range plan, what we set in motion Yesterday has now, in one fell swoop, kind of become a little uh, potentially uh, changed in the direction in which we need to take. So that's one reason that a client might, you know, might give us a call. And another great example of, of what, you know, what we do as financial advisors. I'm sure they'd thought of a lot of that, but probably some of it they hadn't thought about. Just a lot of moving parts. And again, just helping them think through that and think through all the steps they need to take to continue on towards that ultimate goal. Absolutely. When a client goes through a big change like that, a big life change, most of the time, at least my experience, Jamie, you might could speak to this as well. They tend to focus on what's happening in the moment. Uh, and one of the, the things that, uh, that, we bring to the table is that we've not only talked to them, but we've talked to hundreds of people like them. So we can bring some perspective to that to help them be proactive and thinking about things that are not on their mind right now. You know, how does this decision affect the downplay of this? How does this play out, you know, five or 10 years from now? I know Jamie works with a lot of, you know, young professionals that are starting their career. And he can bring to the value to the table by saying, look, I've seen you today, but I've also dealt with you 10 years from now. I've dealt with you 15 years from now. I've dealt with you as you retire. And so I can help you along those ways to understand some of the decisions that you're going to make that you haven't even experienced yet. You haven't even started to think about yet. Uh, So that's one of the perspectives that a good financial advisor will bring to the table. Yeah, I think perspective is the key word and really helping my clients see the overall big picture and, hey, how how are the decisions you're making today? How is that going to affect you 20 years down the road? Because you don't think about that. And I mean, I'm the same way, too. That's why I work with an advisor. Even sure. though I am an advisor, my wife and I sit down with somebody at the firm who's a planner and make sure that I'm sitting on that other side of the table because I know what he's going to ask. But at the same time, I want my, my wife and I to go through that process together so we can make decisions as a family um, and have somebody be objective about you know our, our own money. I heard, I heard Jim Shoemaker say this one time, and Jamie's right, even as advisors, we live in this world every day. We're taking care of our clients' financial goals, but sometimes we forget to, to talk about our own sometimes. <clears throat> and one thing, Mr. Shoemaker said this a long time ago, and it's sort of resonated with me, that as an advisor, your clients are always going to be focused on the urgent. Right. Um, but what we will do is come alongside them and help them also pay attention to what's important. Uh, and that is some of those things that are in the future that the urgent things today can be mind consuming. And Absolutely. they can take up a lot of that brain space when you're thinking about my kids go to college in two years. This right. personal story. And so right now, that, that's the that's the urgent <laughs> yeah, for yeah, us. You yeah, know? Exactly. <clears throat> but we can't take our eye off off the ball of the fact that. Whether we want to or not, we're going to become 65 and we're going to retire. We can't 
take our eye off that ball, and a financial advisor will help you do that. I think that's a great point, and helping people see the big picture. I know we see that a lot of times when we're uh, planning for retirement and uh, investment portfolios. You know, we'll see people who might be 65, and you can ask them how long their time horizon is, and they might say two years, thinking they're going to retire at 67. Well, you know, that's not really your time horizon from an investment perspective, because we would hope that you're going to spend, you know, 30 years maybe in retirement if you're in good health. And if you're talking about decades, then it's a whole different focus for investing. And, you know, a lot of times you look at investments and we think you're getting into retirement and you need to scale back the volatility, and you do to a, in a sense, but you also need investments that are going to grow and help you outpace inflation to keep up that retirement income, which is a critically important thing that you need to think about in retirement. And a lot of times, again, just helping those people see the big picture. Yeah, and you said retirement income. I think that's a, a key piece because so many times people think about just the accumulation phase. Absolutely. The, hey, let's sock money away. What's but, my number? The old exactly, ads, yeah. Exactly, but it's not that. Many of our clients are people who are in that, hey, preservation stage. How do we make sure that this money is going to last and how do we not run out of it? So uh, retirement income planning, just as important as the whole accumulation phase of it. Oh, I, I think that's, a, in, in a sense, even more important. Yeah, accumulation is fairly straightforward. If you're 30, I can put you in a portfolio, and you don't have to blink because you've got a long time to, uh, to let it grow, so you don't have to worry about what goes on in the market. If you're in retirement, if you're taking income off that portfolio, you don't necessarily want to be selling uh, you know, your portfolio before March 9th of 2009 when you're just down 57% in the S&P 500. You, know, you don't want to sell something when it's, uh, you know, when it's down that much. It just is it's very hard to recover from that. Absolutely. You've, you, we've mentioned retirement a couple of times. That, as retirement approaches, that's a, the time that you want to... That's when it becomes critical, Yeah, right? you want to start talking to your advisor. You don't, want to, you don't want retirement planning to start the day before you launch into your retirement life, um, because it is a process. Absolutely. Uh, many people don't fully grasp what uh, a life of not working is going to look like. And so it's a conversation. It's a... It's a uh, a process to to determine what is our retirement life going to look like. You think about this, you know, you, you have two people that operate, a husband and wife that operate in very independent streams on a daily basis. One person goes downtown, one person goes to Germantown, and they eat in different restaurants. They they have different coffee routines. They get home at different times right. at night. And so uh, after you've been doing that for Are 25 you talking about me? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) After you've been doing that for 30 years, that becomes routine and it's not even something you're thinking about. Now, all of a sudden that routine is broken and you're going to have to figure out what is our breakfast routine going to be? What's our dinner routine going to be? What what are these routines going to look like and how can we monetize that? You know, what kind of grandparents are we going to be if if that is in, in, in fact a part of your life? And you know, what kind of travel are we going to do? Because you've never been able to do that before. And, you know? and Jason, we're, we've been focused. We keep on saying retirement, haven't even brought up the whole legacy planning. Absolutely. What, what, how do you want people to you know, remember you? How do you want to make sure that children, grandchildren, charities, churches, whatever, how are you going to make sure that you, know, you can leave that legacy if that's something that you choose to do? That's a big part of the retirement planning or, um, excuse me. Uh, just financial picture as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I hope that our listeners would take away from this. You know, this is what we think or why we think that we're valuable as advisors. Now, you're not necessarily going to be able to put a dollar amount on this value, but does that make it any less valuable? I would say this is absolutely critical. You know, this is getting beyond the numbers to help someone truly picture what their retirement is like, because how on earth can you know the numbers if you don't even know what the, what the future, you know, what you want the future to be? Absolutely. I think that's, I think that's one of the most challenging, when any financial planning topic 
or any financial planning content, when you think about uh, the question of what do you want retirement to look like, you know, what do you want the life of your 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 family to look like in the event of a death. I mean, a lot of times we hear words like, well, I'd like them to be comfortable. Right. You know, right. I'd like my retirement to be comfortable. Well, trying to to monetize what that comfort means right. uh, is something that most people haven't really considered. And uh, we spend a good bit of time just trying to unwind that word and peel back layers to what is it going to look like. And that's why I say you don't want to call your advisor Right before retirement, there's a, a few years you've got to go through trying to figure that out. That ties our hands um, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so you want to you want to narrow that dollar amount in prior to the gold watch ceremony, and then you know after retirement, it's good to meet with and, and meet with your uh, advisor regularly in those first couple of years. Jamie, I'm sure you've experienced this where people lay out uh, an idea that of what retirement's going to look like. And in that first couple of years, it, it kind of changes a little bit. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, this, this is some great tips, and I hope our listeners are getting a lot out of this. Let's take one more break, sure, uh, and then let's come back, and we'll talk, give you just a couple of ways that you can evaluate your advisor's performance. Just some things to be thinking about when you're evaluating the relationship you've got with your advisor. Again, I'm Keith Quinn, in for Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday morning from 8 to 9 on Talk Money here on AM 990 and 107.9 The Voice. We're going to take a quick break. But stick around. We will be right back. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at thebaileylawfirm.com. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs, it's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money. Life insurance products contain fees, such as mortality and expense charges, and may contain restrictions, such as surrender periods. And now, here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Good morning and welcome back to Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn in for Jim Shoemaker here in the studio with Jason Harrington and Jamie Cochran. Jason, we've been talking about the advisor-client relationship. Give us some thoughts about how you can evaluate that relationship from a client's perspective. I think there's... There are many ways in which clients will, you know, measure their advisor, you know, a lot of things that are out of the advisor's control. Do not measure me on whether I beat the S&P 500 last year. That was not my goal. Yeah, Did the market go up or did the market go down? Right. And we encourage our clients or I would encourage listeners to very first thing is to look at, do you have a good relationship with this person? Do we connect? Do we have like-minded beliefs? Do we uh, do we have similar interests? Do we have fun together? Do we accomplish what we set out to accomplish? Or, or is your advisor a promise keeper to you? You know, do they do they do the things they say they're going to do? Um, and that's one way in which you can uh, evaluate your advisor. I think probably the most important way. And it really seems like a lot of things would flow from that. A lot of things do flow from that. I mean, you know, another thing is the services. Today's world. You know the service provision out coming out of your financial planning organization is a real big differentiator. Do you have someone? Do you, are you working with a place who's, 
you know, mainly focused on uh, investment management? Do you have someone who is mainly focused on, you know, insurance management? Where whereas both of those are are, fine, are important, you yeah. know, and important and are parts of the planning process. Or do you have a uh, are you working with an organization that looks at both in tandem and, and combine, much like we do at Shoemaker Financial? Yeah, I think it's critical that from the get go there is that expectations like I talked about earlier. Right. But also we want to make sure that we're providing some value to to our clients. Absolutely. So if my client is not perceiving or getting any value from me, well then he or she needs to go, you know, find somebody else because I'm not doing my job. I think that's a great point because it, and it really is from the client's perspective. You know, it's not really necessarily what we think is valuable. It's what the client perceives as being valuable and what's valuable to them. And that may be different for everyone. It's And it's a simple equation. Jamie said it. I mean, do, do, do I, as, an, as a client, walk out of Jamie's office and feel like we've made forward progress? Uh, and if you feel like you're making forward progress, then then you're in a, you're in a good place and you're in the, in the, in the place you need to go. What? One other thing, Keith, I'll just say this. I mean, you know, a big question as advisor body is aging out there. Right, sure. Um, you know, it, it is it's a, an issue for some who may be listening is that my advisor may be retiring the same time I'm retiring, uh, you know, and, and when and that's a huge them, deal. So if that relationship changes. Yeah. And I, I need I'm going to need them when I need them, you know, arguably the most. They're going to be enjoying their sunset and their retirement as well. So does do advisors have contingency plans in place? Do they have a team around them that can support the promises that this advisor's making, you know, for the length of time they need to make it? That is that is a great point. And guys, I want to thank you so much for being in, uh, coming in and, and joining us today. I think this was a phenomenal show. I hope everybody got a lot out of it. Again, Jason Harrington, Jamie Cochran, you can reach out to either one of them at the firm, 901-757-5757. And I hope you can join Jim next week. He's got a really interesting show. Abby May Wong from ARC Farms. If you don't know about ARC Farms, it's very interesting. It's something you do want to learn about. And then Latrice Mc, uh, McClinn talking about leaving a legacy. So it should be a great show next week, and I hope you can join us then. I'd like to thank our producer and board operator, Gil Worth, our guest and content coordinator, Francis Fortner, our production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz, and our compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Until next week, I'm Keith Quinn for Jim Shoemaker, helping you make the most of your money. Keith Quinn, Jamie Cochran, and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated and is not affiliated with any of the companies mentioned on the show. Got to have-